Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, September 25th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feli, and I'm Sarah Lane. And sitting in once again for Roger Chang, our normal producer, I am Anthony Lemos. Good to have you along, Amos. Yeah. Uh, also joining us today, very happy to have Michael Wolf of The Spoon back on From the show. Up in Seattle. How's it going, man? It's going well. It's been a year or so. It's, you got a new backdrop. You got more, a little more gray in your beard. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I have more gray, too. So. Visual effects for both of us, right? Mike's like, you look a little older, Tom. <laughs> How's your year really been? No, uh, no it's good. We're, this is the second day in the new setup here. Uh, so, again, as I said yesterday, uh, audio may not be exactly what you're used to, but hopefully it's getting a little better every day. Video may not be exactly what you're used to, but hopefully that's getting better every day. Thank you for your patience. Uh, we're going to talk about some food tech with Michael particularly, but let's start with a few tech things you should know. Qualcomm is accusing Apple of stealing its source code and giving it and other trade secrets to rival chip maker Intel for the purpose of improving the performance of Intel chipsets. This is according to a filing with the Superior Court of California that Qualcomm uh, the, uh, that Qualcomm issued. The company has previously accused Apple of breaching an agreement to allow Qualcomm to audit Apple's use of its source code and other trade secrets. Google CEO Sundar Pichai said in a statement he will meet with lawmakers this week as his company, uh, representing his company, to address concerns from conservatives in the U.S. government who allege that their views are being censored online. Google denies it makes content decisions based on politics, despite some Republicans accusing Facebook, Google, and Twitter of silencing conservative voices and news sources. The private meeting was organized by House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, a California Republican. Twitter is changing how it communicates rules of its service to now include community feedback. Now, previously, the company followed its own policy development process, including taking input from its Trust and Safety Council and various experts 
Now the company says it will ask everyone on the platform for feedback on a new policy before that policy becomes part of Twitter's official rules. The company also announced a policy to prohibit language that dehumanizes others based on, quote, their membership in an identifiable group, even when the material does not include a direct target. All right, let's talk a little more about founders leaving their companies. Usually... A founder of an acquired company will stick around for a year, maybe two. Uh, but unusually at Facebook, the founders of WhatsApp, Oculus, Instagram all stayed around a lot longer. Now, Jan Coombe from WhatsApp left recently under a lot of speculation that maybe he didn't like the way privacy was being treated. Obviously, Palmer Lucky left Oculus uh, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, but Instagram co-founders Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger have been sticking around for nigh on six years and... That's over. They resigned and planned to leave the company in the coming weeks. They notified the company on Monday, sources tell the New York Times. Both are said to be taking time off after leaving Instagram. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's chief executive, praised their founders in a statement and said he wished them all the best and is looking forward to seeing what they build next. In their goodbye notice, they didn't really thank anyone, did they, Sarah? They didn't. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean no, anything. It uh, y- y- you know, both... Um, both Kevin and Mike, uh, who, uh, you know, I've been sort of familiar with, um, since, since Instagram came on the scene way back in 2009, 2010. Uh, yeah. Um, 2010. The first, the first Instagram photo I took was sitting in the, in the cottage <laughs> at Twit with me right, and up in that yeah. upstairs little office. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the first, uh, I think interviews they did was, was with Leo and I way back in the day, but you know, they're young. They've had, um, uh, uh, like crazy success. And, um, at the same time, Facebook and Instagram as a whole have changed. The companies have changed quite a bit over the years. Now, neither, um, Sister Mer Krieger have mentioned anything about not, uh, being in a, a line with, with, uh, anything that's going on with Facebook and all, all signs point to Instagram mostly working autonomously this entire time um, based on folks that have worked um, on the Instagram team. So you could say, well, you know, maybe they're just tired and they want to do something new. That's fine. There might be more to it, but, but, but neither have, have pointed to any real strife within the company as a reason for them leaving. Michael, I know you've seen it. You've covered a lot of startups over the years. Uh, just, just from the outside reading the tea leaves here, the, these are two founders that stayed a lot longer than they normally do. Uh, but maybe they would have stayed longer if conditions were different. Do, do you have any, any insights on this? Do you think? Not really, other than I just think about what they got acquired for, which isn't really the story of them leaving, but a billion dollars, uh, I think, was the acquisition price. And then yeah. just a couple of years later, WhatsApp got bought for 18 or 19 billion. So I'm surprised they sticked around as long as they had. I would have been mad after that acquisition. And left, <laughs> yeah, they used to. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, you know, they may have sticked around as long as they had to. Yeah. A study at the University of Louisville that was published today in the New England Journal of Medicine details how those who are paralyzed by spinal cord injuries in the U.S. can achieve more independence, improve circulation and bone density, and boost cardiovascular health. Junior, as it's known, is the Restore Advanced SureScan MRI neurostimulator made by Medtronic. 
FDA approved for pain management, controlled by a remote that communicates through skin and connects to a hub in the abdomen. A theory is that after a spinal cord injury, spinal networks may lose the electrical charge and information that they're getting from the brain. That might be part of the problem. Although some weak connections may remain that a stimulator can talk to and kind of boost. Not everybody responds to the treatment, but Jeff Marcus and Kelly Thomas both are able to take steps again while using Junior, which uh, both were profiled in a Verge article about this, which was really amazing. Yeah. Jeff is the first person to ever take steps as a paraplegic uh, from from this treatment. Uh, and Kelly Thomas had had even greater success uh, following on from him. Go watch those videos. They're, they're inspiring. The, but the idea of taking something that's meant to relieve pain and finding another use for it is great because it's already FDA approved to, to, to use exactly the way they're using it. Uh, even if it doesn't work for everybody, the fact that it could work for anybody is, is crazy. It, and Michael, it's kind of described the way I see it as a signal booster. Like if, if, if your, if your signal is, is attenuating and you put one of the tie, one of those little boosters in to, to pump the signal up, to make it go longer. That's kind of what they're doing to their nervous system. It feels like. I feel like we're on the precipice of not saying that things like being paralyzed are going to be eliminated, but we're at this inflection point where 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, you'll see a, people who have had these catastrophic injuries, just maybe regaining mobility. So it's super exciting. Yeah, the, the the descriptions that they gave in these videos uh, reminded me of uh, we've covered technology before that allowed people to hear for the first time. Yeah, you know, and and these people who never thought they'd be able to take an unassisted step ever again, and I guess it is assisted technically, but not by exterior mechanics, right? And, what, you know, what better What better are those videos than seeing someone hear or see for the first time or walk mm-hmm. for the first time? Like, yeah, they're amazing. And the weird thing about it is they have to turn it on. If, if it's not, yeah. it doesn't stay on. It's not persistent. They hope to get it there someday. Uh, but if they, if they don't uh, have it on, it doesn't do anything. They, they have to have it on and working. And, they, and for some reason, can't leave it on all the time. But man, Sarah, this is, this is cool stuff. Yeah. And, you know, especially, uh, I don't know, uh, spinal cord injuries, uh, they're, they're vast. They have, have um, a variety of... Um, of issues, but the idea that you can stimulate the brain that talks to the rest of the body, which we all know is a thing, but to be able to do that in a way that can help people who have limited to no mobility in their body is it's magic. Yeah, it's stunning. Google announced new AI enhancements for search, uh, AMP stories, which is kind of like Instagram stories, uh, displays the fast loading web pages. Uh, and coming to search results, uh, starting first with stories about celebrities, athletes, and other notable people. Uh, they've been testing this with about eight publishers since February. Google is using some computer vision to understand the content of videos and adding a section called Featured Videos that link to subtopics of searches. So you search for a query and then some videos will show up that'll be a little more relevant to your search. Google Images is putting greater emphasis on web page authority uh, to order the results. So so pages that normally show up higher in search will be more likely uh, to show images higher up. And if images are central to that web page, particularly uh, those images will show up higher. And Google Lens uh, will come to web search to analyze and detect ob- objects and images. It's something that's been on the, the mobile version for a while. There's also a new section called Discover that'll stream headings and cards of items that Google thinks you might be interested in based on what it knows about you. 
Mike, how interested are you in celebrities and athletes and other notable people? Well, I, I get excited about machine vision and using AI to better recognize what's going on. But I, I actually get more excited about getting outside of image recognition. And we'll talk a little bit about it in food tech, but there's a lot of stuff being, uh, going on in terms of digitizing and recognizing other senses. So smell, taste. Mm. So I think Google has had a long time leadership in, in image and machine vision, but uh, I, I'm waiting for them to do the, the smell search. Is that, is that weird? It's, it sounds it's weird. weird. <laughs> it sounds weird. But I think it's not weird. You know what I mean? Like if you could, but so how would the query work? Do you, do you waft it towards a sensor and then I don't say, know. Hey, find think things of your, that smell like that? Does your Google home in, in five years have like yeah, a, smell, yeah. a smell sensor and then it recommends the, the pasta, uh, the pasta sauce that you, that you've been using for the past week, right? If you, if you like Paul Newman's own, you could also try reserve. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe this is a horrible idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's where my brain goes with search always is right yeah. to commerce, but, but yeah, there could be other, other cool things that it would do as well. It's, it's interesting. And it's interesting to see Google celebrating their 20th anniversary as a search engine. Uh, but you, by, you know, bringing some AI into search, none of these yeah. things really blow me away given what we know about what, you know, what these kind of algorithms can do, but it's, uh, it, you know, they're, they're interesting little features, especially lens coming to web. You know, that's, that's something that, that is pretty cool to be like, what is that clack? Show me more of those. I mean, there's too much news for us to read every day, right? I mean, we could all probably agree on that. So as much as Google can, figure out, okay, this is what I can offer up to you as somebody who, you know, I kind of get a sense of what kind of news you're looking for. Great. Um, the, the sort of, you know, celeb and athletes and pop culture news, that's, that's the obvious way to bundle a lot of the stuff. Any social network that you, that you connect to for the first time, they'll say, here are some people to follow. And it's always, you know, that kind of celeb stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of us, it's like, yeah, it, it either works or it doesn't work for us. So um, it's the first step in figuring out more of what Google thinks you want to know more about, which yeah. is in, um, you know, in, in the long game, a good thing. Yeah. Call me when they add a few more categories. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of long games, the Indian version of Tinder is introducing the My Move feature, which allows women to limit themselves to starting a conversation with a male match rather than the other way around, similarly to how Bumble operates. For anybody who uses dating apps, it means if you can connect, you're a woman, it's a man, the woman gets to... In instigate a conversation. Otherwise, there is no conversation. Tinder has been testing the function in India for several months and plans to spread it worldwide if the full rollout proves successful. So uh, we were having a conversation uh, with Amos, uh, who's producing the show today earlier, and he was he was asking, I think, a, a pertinent question. Why do you do this just for women? Now, and, and to be clear how it works, if you're confused out there, only women who opt into it Will it work this way? You have to, as a user, say like, yes. Yeah, like Tinder want, isn't changing its whole model. I want it's to saying, have it work yeah. this way where nobody can chat with me unless I chat with them first. Why not roll it out that way to everyone, to give everybody that option, do you think? I think it makes sense. I mean, I think generally we can assume that men tend to be more aggressive and women oftentimes are the ones who are scared of these communities. So, uh, and, and you've seen the success of Bumble. I think, aren't they going to basically do an IPO? So I think... I think they're kind of matching what Bumble's doing. It also makes sense in certain geographies like India, 
but I think you're right, Tom. I think why not make this an opt-in if you're if you're the if like if you if you as good looking as Tom and you're having all the women <laughs> swipe left. I don't even know. Do you swipe left or right? I don't either. Um, yeah. Swipe right if you like them. Okay, everyone's swiping right on Tom. Maybe he doesn't want that, so maybe he no. should opt into this. <laughs> I'm no. sorry, Tom. But I mean, in all seriousness, um, yeah, and yeah. India is a is a is an interesting market because some of you know the the way that uh, people meet each other in India is different than in mm-hmm. the Western world. However, I think that, and you might say like, well, but uh, you know, if you liked a guy and you're a woman and you're yeah. heterosexual and you know you've you know what why can't he get a hold of you first? Like, what's the problem? And I don't really have a good solution to that except that some women find it more comfortable to be the person who reaches out first in order to say like if i really want to do this this is what this is how i'm going to go about it and there are lots of reasons that women might feel that way and i think that tinder is very smart to at least allow this option yeah it cuts down on creeps it cuts down on unwelcome interactions and if you let both men and women do it you would have a weird situation you'd have to resolve where both people have said no i get to chat first uh in which case (laughs) that's not going to work very well so uh i I guess it, it, it it's an easier interface user interface issue if, if you only uh have one gender able to do it although i there you know uh there there are same-sex couples uh matching on tinder so there's there could be an issue there uh, in that section as well but for the most part yeah i think it's because women are more likely to have creeps uh reach out than to them yep. than men are mm-hmm Walmart is asking its suppliers of lettuce and other leafy greens to use blockchain to track shipments by some by this time next year. They're like, you've got a year. We want you to start using this because right now, neither the store owner or the consumer really know where the lettuce came from. And the U.S. CDC has recently warned consumers not to eat lettuce grown in Yuma, Arizona because of contamination. But how do you know for sure that that lettuce is from Yuma, Arizona? It's all on it's all paper records these days. So it takes a long time to track. And there's sometimes confusion about where it really came from. Blockchain, we've talked about plenty of times on the show, is a, a, a dead simple way to help track where things have been. And better tracking could reduce waste and increase consumer confidence in what they're buying. Uh, a blockchain-based system would let stores and customers see the entire supply chain of a product at the point of purchase. Uh, Michael, this is in your wheelhouse here. Uh, what do you think of this? Well, Walmart's been leading on this, right? I mean, it, it it is the holy grail to have food complete food traceability and transparency and provenance. I still think we have a long ways to get there. But you might just think it's Walmart. But, you know, I was on the East Coast two months ago talking to a bunch of folks who were involved in the fishing industry. And, and people at the source, whether it's farmers or fishermen, they want food provenance and traceability. Because if you're a fisherman and your fish is airlifted to Japan and someone gets sick, um, you want to be able to prove that they, it was the handling and not the fish, right? Yeah. So I think this is something that everyone along the entire... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today food value chain is interested in well and a lot of lettuce was thrown away because they weren't sure if it was from yuma or not right so they're like better safe than sorry we're getting rid of it that's how this could cut down on waste if you're like no we can verify these crates came from not let's not trash on yuma too much you know from wherever the the latest problem is uh and you only then reject those those shipments it, it's just greater accuracy and i think that helps everybody yeah, I agree. I think you're getting to the point where not only are you seeing RFID get so low cost and you're seeing blockchain finally mature that we might really get there and being able to understand where all our food is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. Yeah. Just imagine having that having that kind of information at, right. at, at checkout. I, just as a stats nerd, I'd be interested. Yeah, exactly. You know, just to, to see where it came. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines. Dot com. All right, we got more food tech to talk about. Liliana Byington uh, for Food Dive wrote up an interesting summary of a discussion at the Food Innovation Summit Friday. A study by the Center for Food Integrity has found that only a third of survey respondents strongly agree they're confident in the safety of the food they consume. Another way that blockchain might help. A uh, few, few other projects touched on in this article. Carnegie Mellon working to develop an ingestible sensor so that you just swallow it like a pill and it could monitor gut health or stimulate damaged tissue or target drug delivery to fight cancer. Tufts University School of Engineering has created a tooth sensor, which is tiny, can be attached to your enamel and measure things like glucose and sugar and alcohol, uh, and then transmit through RFID and a kind of an, a, an extended RFID, all of what it's finding back. They say they want to do other things as well in the future. And uh, a few years back, Baidu developed smart chopsticks uh, that can detect temperature, uh, even the freshness of cooking oil. And they have lots of plans for it to be able to detect other things as well. So really, really interesting stuff here, Michael, that, that's being developed. What do you think of all this? Well, first of all, I wouldn't want the tooth sensor right on my front tooth. I'd probably choose the back tooth, that picture. Yeah, there. I feel like the pictures <laughs> they show are because it's easy yeah, exactly. to see, not because that's where you are. Um, listen, I think, you know, if you look at like the first generation of wearables, right, they were great because they tracked, you know, pedometer, pedometers, they track movement. But I think we're on the, the cusp and you saw with the latest Apple Watch announcements, right, as they're starting to really try to understand your biorhythms and what's going on inside you. I think you'll start to see that connect with your food, with your, with your, the state of your, your, your health on a daily basis. 
Um, and the sensor technology is really advancing quickly. So uh, that article also mentioned the NEMA food sensor that actually allows you to, in real time, understand if there's gluten. Because as we all know, gluten warnings at restaurants aren't always accurate. NEMA just came out with the peanut sensor. Mm. So um, I think that's that's great. For people who have food allergies or special needs around food, I think you're kind of coming into this time uh, where we'll actually be able to kind of get over that hump and not have to worry about what you're eating. I love the idea of tracking what I eat. I hate the idea of having to stop and write it down. Yeah. Uh, especially because as good as a lot of these these diary apps are these days, I'm always eating something that doesn't quite fit the profile. And I'm like, well, should I, should I choose this category or that category? Which one's closest? And I know it's not getting accurate. The idea that I could have a sensor that just tracks like – Here's how many carbohydrates. Here's how many vitamin D. The, you know, we, we're seeing it all go through you, and we're making a, a pretty accurate estimate of, of what you're eating to the point where my, my dream app is the one that takes all that sensor information from my more conveniently placed tooth sensor yeah. uh, and tells me, hey, you know what you should eat for dinner? This because, you know, you're, you're, this would like complete your nutritional profile today. Yeah, so I think real-time food tracking, it, we're on the cusp of that. But also, we're one of the other big trends just generally in food is this idea of hyper-personalization. So um, you saw, I don't know if you saw today, Kroger announced that they're moving towards personalized meal kits where you can assemble in the store. Oh, that's nice. kind of, that's a, like a rudimentary step along that equation. So, but so if wait, you, so like a HelloFresh kind of thing? Yeah, so you are not just taking one of the five choices that mm -hmm. you used to have from Blue Apron. Or, or whatever, and have it shipped to your yeah, house, yeah. you can you can kind of customize it. I see. But, but I think what's more interesting, if you look at like some of the patents being filed by, um, you know, uh, intellectual ventures, they're working on real-time sensing and printing of food based on what, what you're, you know, what you may have eaten in the past, but also what you, what you may have swallowed with some of those intestinal trackers. So mm. um, you combine instant manufacturing, personalization, and, and real-time food tracking, it, it gets pretty exciting. We're, we're a long ways off from a lot of this. It's pretty science fiction-y, but I think we're on the cusp of some of this. I think one of my questions, and this is, is sort of related to the idea of a smartwatch being able to track, you know, how many steps you take and, you know, is your heart rate great? And if you feel healthy and you're not necessarily on any sort of a food restrictive diet of any kind, how does this technology affect your life? Well, I think you can always optimize, right? Like I just went and got a, 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 a my once a year test and I had higher cholesterol than I thought. Like I feel pretty good, but I didn't know that. So mm. I think it's always hard to kind of know what the internal systems are doing at any given time without like real kind of blood work or sensing. So, yeah. um, and, and the danger is you, there's going to be a lot of snake oil salesmen along the way, right? So I think the challenge is Silicon Valley uh, oftentimes wants to get ahead of it. Is this stuff really approved? There was there was a little bit of uh, uh, controversy around the NEMA sensor because one of the gluten watchdogs basically said they don't really detect gluten to the level that they would want. So I think we're seeing real progress here. But is the progress going to be fully approved by the doctors? Uh, or are, is some of this going to be like beyond what it should be doing or beyond the claims that it should be claiming, right? So, but I think it is exciting. Yeah, that reminds me of AI a lot. Like AI... Uh, algorithms can do a lot, but there's a lot of people claiming they can do things that they can't. And a lot of people afraid that they are going to do things that they can't yet. Uh, and, and we still haven't seen the full promise of what they can 
do and what they probably will be able to do. And this this feels like the the same kind of layout where, you know, we're going to get the Commodore 64 of, of gut sensors. You know, it's it's not really <laughs> going to be able to do all the things that a PC eventually could do. Uh, but it'll be it'll be nifty. You know, it'll be fun. And early adopters like us will, will probably try it out. Uh, and there will be a lot of people, like you say, that will make claims that you got to watch out for early on. But this does feel like one of the arenas where you're going to see a lot of, of innovation and, and a lot of new kinds of startups. And I, and I think these days, a lot of people are looking for who possibly could unseat the Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apples of the world. Uh, and and it's, it's always from a new area. Google came out of search. There was no search to unseat Microsoft when Microsoft was formed. So these are the kind of areas I kind of look at and say, okay, who, who's going to emerge out of, out of these? And it'll probably be 10 years or more maybe before somebody does. Uh, but but this is going to be someday uh, the kind of thing that everybody's going to want to try because it's going to improve your life. And and to Sarah's question, improve your life in ways that, that you don't know you need yet. My doctor is huge on testing omega-3s. She's like, you won't cha- it won't change the way you feel, but if you have the right level of omega-3s, it is uh, coincident with less risk for heart disease. And she just wants to see that number down. Yeah. Well, and, and and I think we're on the precipice of more and more of us having information ourselves based on gadgets that have proven to be able to give you accurate information, whereas we never had an opportunity before instead to go to the doctor and be like, please test me. Am I okay? I don't know. I have right, no right. tools of my own. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that is, again, early days and I think, it, you know, I'm one of those people who's like, but how does that help me? Well, it's going to help me uh, going down the road when I I am able to come to a doctor or a professional or anybody who might be able to help me with a particular issue mm-hmm. with a lot of knowledge that has been proven to be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's well said. And to your point, Tom, you know, you're right. Like this is one of those areas that an outsider could come in and disrupt. But if you see, you look at all the big platform players, they're kind of sniffing around Mm -hmm. the food world in their own way, right? So Apple, I think he's doing it from a wearable standpoint. Amazon, obviously about Whole Foods and is big into delivery and Mm -hmm. commerce. And Google's investing a lot in in image recognition. They come out with a couple apps around food recommendation. Mm -hmm. So I think they all do, they're all kind of sniffing around there, but they don't quite know how? But they all know that if you look at how we spend our money, the third biggest spend, what we spend our money on besides home and transportation is food. So it's a massive opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks to everyone who participates in our subreddit. We have lots of food stories in our subreddit all the time. Among many others, you can submit your own and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. And of course, we're on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check out the feed bag. I mean, the mailbag. Oh, the feedback. Ah, oh, see what you did there. Nick <laughs> Nick had some feedback on uh, Lamar Wilson and my talking about our new iPhones yesterday. And I had mentioned the OLED screen, nice as it is, didn't seem that bright, even at its brightest. Nick says OLEDs are not as bright as similarly processed LCD technology. A high-end OLED display like LG, for example, uses in its OLED TVs only output about 500 nits of peak brightness, and that's only when small sections of the screen are at maximum brightness. On the other hand, an LCD in a TV meant for the same purpose will easily produce over 1,000 nits of peak brightness. Keep in mind, these brightness numbers are for an HDR display running off a wall socket, not off a battery like an iPhone where power is more precious. But 
I should also note a typically bright desktop monitor is only about 200 nits of brightness, so 500 nits can be blinding, at least to some people, and a full white screen at 1,000 would be actually painful. This is a big reason that peak brightness is only actually used for things like light reflecting off the edge of a car door in movies or TVs or games. This is a, an example of the emails I like to call, you're so smart. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Nick, for, you're, you're the best. Yeah. I also feel like maybe I'm just losing my eyesight. No, I think Nick <laughs> like, can help you feel I'm like, more I still confident want my eyes to be yeah. brighter. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Nick. And thank you, everybody who writes in and, and makes us smarter every day. And also, thank you to Michael Wolf for being with us today. Michael, it's so great to have you and let folks know where they can keep up with your work. Yeah, the spoon.tech, as we mentioned. I'm also having an event in two weeks where we're going to have two food robots walking mm-hmm. around serving food. So uh, smartkitchensummit.com. Check that out. I have a discount code. Can Ooh. I throw that out? Yeah. If, if anybody is going to be in Seattle October 8th and 9th, uh, use this discount code. What is it? DTDTNS. What it else should, would it be? It what else would it be? Remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, check it out, smartkitchensummit.com. Uh, also, folks, uh, you can support this show directly and and cut out the middleman. Make sure that, that you are giving directly to the source, not only your attention, uh, but if you've got like a dollar a month, that's the, the entry level to supporting the show. And there's lots of cool perks that you get for that at patreon.com slash DTNS. I'm just asking for three of you right now to just stop what you're doing. And pledge a buck. Guys, I know three of you have got an extra buck. So just ahead, you know, just ahead right now, patreon.com slash DTNS and, and see all the cool things that you'll get. And you'll know that you're supporting the show directly. Also, if you're in Los Angeles, I'm going to be uh, doing a workshop at the Outlier Podcast Festival this Sunday, September 30th on preparing content for your podcast, something I do every day. Uh, so uh, check it out, outliercs.com, uh, if you want to attend and see that. Uh, check that out as well. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We love your feedback, questions, comments, anything. Keep them coming. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Richard Gunther as our guest. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. 
Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.